A little ironic uh, that we're preaching on the creation today, and a lot of trees died in the making of this worship service. But um, they're for good measure. We'll talk about this a little bit more, how to connect and serve here. This is uh, what's happening. And then this is the big thing I want to draw your attention to. We gave these out last week, and there's some in the tables here in the back and on the side. This is meant to be our sermon guide for the next 10 weeks that tells you uh, this theme of constant, of the, uh, the heartbeat of hope within Scripture, that there are these different themes we're going to be studying over the weeks to come. And we see this pattern over and over again of the created order, the entrance of sin and the disruption, and then the hope that comes with the cross and the ultimate culmination in fullness of Christ. Today we're talking about the created order, and uh, this will make more sense if you have one of these books. So there's some behind, some in the wings. We also have a challenge today, because what we will attempt to do, what I'll attempt to do, is preach a message here about the creation and God's purpose of creation. Then we'll pause, and then at the end, we'll take some time and talk about this church and what has happened in the last five years and what's going to happen in the years to come. So we bow your heads and pray with me now. Father God, thank you so much for a moment ahead to study your scriptures and to teach uh, the words that you have been singing over us since the beginning, Lord. That from the very beginning, Lord, you took uh, formless and void and you added your spirit and you created humanity to steward and shepherd the created order. And now, Father, we just pray that in these moments ahead, you reveal to us uh, your words, your plans for the creation. In your great name we pray, amen. Welcome to Constant Series Week 2. Today we're talking about the cosmos and the order of things. Uh, Midsummer, let's call it August, uh, when the meteor showers were happening, happening uh, over our skies. One night my wife had this great idea to sleep in the backyard. So we gathered all the patio furniture. We've got four kids. Uh, and we just crammed all the furniture together and the cushions and we laid out under the stars. And as we laid there, I was, you know, on station with my youngest, my now four-year-old, kind of under my armpit there. And everybody's on their back. And everybody's looking at the skies. And, and then the first meteor and the wow, and our jaws drop. And then the discussion about the creation and about how God made the world and made us. And in that moment, life seemed to slow down a little bit. Life seemed to make sense a little bit more. And it was amazing that in proper perspective, that us, the created, uh, in the midst of observing creation, can give praise to the creator. And that's how it's always been. And that's why as, as people of God, particularly people in Seattle, we know this. This is why many of us don't go to church in the summer. Man, I'm out, experience the creation. I, I see God at work. I see the creator in the creation. I know I'm the created. I know a lot of days the weight of the world falls upon me, but when I, when I hike to Franklin Falls and see the waterfall, when I stand at Malibu or Young Life Camp and see the power of creation, it's just this reminder that my life is small, but God is big, and God has a plan for me. And so in a proper perspective, the creator set up the creation for us, the created, to be able to enjoy and this is the way that it's always been. This is the way that we've been created. In a book called uh, Your Brain on Nature, scientists studied the way in which humanity kind of comes alive in the presence of the creation. And the authors over and over again in this book, it came out in 2012, over and over again, they show that, that in the midst of creation, uh, humanity uh, flourishes. So they, they cite research study after research study, as subjects in an adult care center in Texas, that their cortisol levels, which is stress hormone, went down when they literally sat in a garden. 
Researchers in Taiwan using measures like EEG and skin conductance noticed the therapeutic effect of subjects literally just looking at streams and valleys and rivers. Like, this actually happened. Humans got more healthy when they just witnessed creation. Not for religious purposes, but this is just researchers uh, showing that people get uh, healthier. Absenteeism at work dropped 40% in a factory study where workers were placed in view of potted plants versus those who weren't. We were made by God in order to be in relationship with his creation. That's, that's what the scriptures talk about from the beginning. And sadly, there's a dissonance with many of us from, from the created order. There's this dissonance between, uh, there's this problem with, okay, the creator set up creation for us as the created to both bear witness to God in creation and so we vacillate, we're kind of spread between. In Seattle in particular, we've got a group that just worships the creation. It's not about God, it's definitely not about a gathered church community. I just, I just want to see the stream, I want to see Mount Rainier. It's the creation in and of itself that to them has full value. But the scriptures talk about the creation has always been but a sign and a signifier of God's power and presence. The creation was never the end of the story. It was built as the dwelling place for God's fullness. And then in many years, particularly the last 50 years in modern evangelicalism, we, 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 we've kind of gone the other way, where we say, well, we know from Genesis we are meant to subdue the earth, and, and so we know that we have power over the earth, and we know that almost this mentality that the faster we use up earth's resources, the faster we can get to heaven. We're all going to heaven anyway. So we don't want to be like those hippie folks over there. And so we want to really not focus on creation at all. But as we're going to see this morning, the scriptures are full of teaching about the creator who set up creation to bear witness to his power and glory. And God wants us aware. He wants us awake. He wants us paying attention to the beauty in nature which testifies to a God who has a plan for our life. And so our big idea this morning is that this is how God created the heavens and the earth. And because of the, the design of the cosmos, that God has this plan that the creation would reflect his essence. And so we're called to be the stewards of the resources of the earth. We're called to literally pay attention to creation and work in small or large ways towards the creation of being protected in order to bear witness to the creator. So if you have your sermon guides, open it up to week two, which we're talking about the power of the cosmos. We're following this theme in the next nine weeks of, of creation of things, and then we kind of go along, and then disruption, and, and the entrance of sin, and things kind of plunge down. And then at the very lowest point is when Christ comes in, and the hope of Christ, which is culmination at the end of the story, we'll study here kind of in a bit. But this is the, the pattern we're going to be looking at over and over again through these different themes. We're going to talk about humanity we're going to talk about rest. We're going to talk about work. We're going to talk about relationships. But this morning, we're talking about creation. And for many of us, we, we kind of looked through that sermon guide, and a couple of the topics we're really passionate about. We're really passionate about talking about relationships. But creation, eh. Or some of us are really into creation, and maybe not so much into talking about work-life rest. The hope would be, as we study these themes in the weeks ahead, we see God's teaching on a variety of subjects carried through the entirety of scripture. So let's start at the first point of our outline, the first point of your book under week two, the creation of the cosmos. What, is, what does God the creator say about the creation? You just heard read Genesis 2, that God created the earth in order to be a temple, 
That it would be a literal, a, a place to display the glory of God. It's why the earth was created. And, and every culture, anthropologically, every culture in the ancient Middle East, they had a narrative of creation. Christians aren't unique in that. The Hebrew Bible wasn't unique in telling a creation story. But our creation in Christianity is unique. Because other forms of creation stories, humans had to work really hard in order to, be in, to, be, to enter the garden or the holy place. Like you had, to, you had to arrive through some sort of divinity or some sort of reincarnation. Or you had to kind of arrive and work to get to this place of fullness. But our God, our God set up the creation and, and called it good. And he created us. And he called us good. And he set us up. It's like, you're here. Like, live into the fullness. He, he created all of it. The heavens, the earth, the gardens, the earth, the animals, humans. And he said, in this sustainable model is goodness. Take care of it. That's the, that's the story of creation. The, the, the creation would be this place of worship and of dwelling place. The book of Isaiah 66 says this. This is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build for me? Where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? So they came into being, declares the Lord. He's being almost ironical. What will you do, says God, that I haven't already done? The creation was set up in order to display the power of God. And so God says at a level, it's futile for you to work and to stress yourself into a position where you have the weight of the world on your shoulders. No, enjoy the glory of creation. But more than just for the deity that, that, that some make it, no, God says, may the creation point to the creator. When we witness the beauty of creation, it becomes opportunity for our worship to grow. When we lay on those, on those cushions in my backyard with the four-year-old nestled up underneath, it becomes an opportunity to say, son, our God made this, and he set us up here to worship him. Isn't it amazing? I mean, that little guy's four years old. I can't tell you how many times in the last six weeks he's like, hey, let's do that again. Let's go and do that thing again. And I have to break it to him. You live in Seattle. We won't see stars for another 11 months, son. You know, and so that's a whole different conversation. But you know, this is how God created us. And when you study the scriptures, there's time and time again where God created this well-ordered world in order to give worship to him. In, in Proverbs, there's this way that we should be treating our animals. And even Exodus, that the Sabbath, the rest that God commands us to, applies to both humans and animals. But haven't, you know, Scott, you're a hunter. Haven't we begun dominion over the animals we have? You hunt, you don't hunt. It's okay. We can have different takes on that. At, at, the, at the essence of it, though, do we understand the creation is meant to be giving glory to God? Even how we treat animals, treatment of waste in Deuteronomy, treatment of the soil. God lays out very specifically in the Torah, this is how you take care of the soil. And he's teaching, you know, agrarian society that if you give the soil rest every seventh year, if you let it lay fallow, it will be more fruitful. We're going to talk more about rest later in the series, so I won't expound too much now, but how much more do we need to hear that teaching in our life? But God was saying with the soil, let it rest. Like God, over and over again in the entirety of the Bible, there's all this stuff about taking care of the environment. But if you're like me, growing up in a conservative Baptist church, we never talked about the earth. 
We were told the earth would burn up and we were just trying to get to the afterlife. And God cares very much that we're reconciled in relationship with him. But as we'll be studying in this series, there's certain themes in the scriptures that God says, now as my people care for what I care about. I created the world to be sustainable, to be an ecosystem where people would understand that there's enough. And in caring for the environment, God says, I want you to not be an environmentalist in and of itself, but may your care for creation bear witness to your care for me, the creator. That's how we were created. Uh, The Native Americans in the ancient times understood this. We've been handed something, and so our job is to caretake it. And Jesus himself, remember in the Sermon on the Mount? Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, 7, the best sermon ever told. And Jesus is, is telling these people gathered at his feet, he says, Look at the flowers and look at the birds. And when you see creation, may you be reminded, I'm a God who's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of you. Jesus says, may may creation be a marker of care and of power. It's not about us. Jesus is saying it's about what God wants to do in creation in order to see us in relationship with him. And so we're called to be aware. Just be aware and open our eyes to the wonder of creation. It's hard to be aware. It is. We're busy. We're occupied. We're working. We're in school. We're in college. We're in, you know, we've got these other things. And God's saying, you know, as you're able, be aware. This summer, my kids and I were on the beach in Canada walking along, and we came upon this just perfect little tide pool. You know, it's probably 20 meters long, and 10, but like this real tide pool. And at first, there's nothing going on because every six hours, the tide goes out. Every six hours, the tide comes in. When you just think of the intricacies of the created world, it's, it's mind-boggling. We talked about that at camp out in August. We had a scientist came, Dr. Wade, who just kept teaching our kids and adults the miracle of nature and the miracle of our creator. Because we just watched this little tide pool, we started to count dozens of, of little fish and then and then hermit crabs, and feeding off the algae, and it was this perfect little ecosystem, and they had all that they need to grow and flourish. God's saying, how much more is the world that I've created? I'm a God who created the cosmos in order to bear glory to myself. We're called as disciples to be paying attention, but there's always disruption. This is the story, that disruption comes in, and God no more than sets up creation, Genesis 1 and 2, and then we have Genesis 3, we have the fall. And the nature of the fall, we'll be talking about more later in the series, but at the very heart of it, it's God saying, I don't want a creator, I want to be my own creator. I want to be my own king, I want to be my own God. And the serpent speaks, and people get hung up, is it allegory, or did a real snake talk to a real man? At, at the heart of it, it was an abandonment of trusting God as creator, At the heart of the fall was a turning back that as the created, that we have a proper place in the cosmos with God over us. And so sin entered the world in creation. In Genesis 3, uh, God says, because of your choice to sin, Adam and Eve, the the ground will, will produce thorns and thistles. We will be at opposition with the earth. God had created the earth for us to be in intimacy with, but because of, because of the disruption of sin, God says you now have an adversarial relationship with the snake, with the ground, women with childbirth. It wasn't meant to be so difficult. We live in disrupted times. Man, are you talking about the stuff going on around the world? Are you talking about the stuff going on in, in Charlotte? Are you talking about the stuff going on in Burlington? 
Are you talking about the stuff going on in Shoreline and Edmonds? We live in disruption. And we have been cut off from the land. We've been cut off from God's created order. And the prophets, over and over again, in, in, the prophets in the Old Testament would kind of speak towards this, both this reality that we're cut off from God's created order and the way it was supposed to be and, and the way that that yields itself in sin and degradation. Look at Micah 7, 1 through 3. Micah says, what misery is mine. I'm like one who gathers summer fruit at the gleaning of the vineyard. You see a connection with earth and then a disconnection. There is no cluster of grape seed. None of the figs I crave. The faithful have been swept from the land. Not one upright person remains. Everyone lies in wait to shed blood. They hunt each other with nets. Both hands are skilled in evil. The ruler demands gifts. The judge accepts bribes. The powerful dictate what they desire. They all conspire together. We've been cut off. And the fruit of this disconnection from God's created order yields itself in violence, a human human Violence against the earth, violence in our ecosystem, violence in the way in the last hundred years we've done more damage to the environment than in the previous 2,000 years. It's not sustainable. And God is saying, make your focus growing in relationship with Christ, but understand because of this disruption that I care very much about the earth. I want you to pay attention. And over and over again, we're kind of seeing this instability in our society with air quality and water tables and ocean quality and warming currents. And it's, it's just kind of like, man, you look around what's going on and it's, it's not on the forward trajectory. This isn't good. The land is mourning. Hosea 4.3 says, because of this, the land dries up and all who live in it waste away. And so to nature, our sin blocks us from being good stewards of the cosmos. And we can pause there. Because people start to get like practical here. Like, what are we talking about? Are you trying to kind of push REI memberships on us? Is this a Gore-Tex series? Like, uh, are we talking about Priuses? I shop at Whole Foods. It feels like Whole Paycheck. This feels really expensive to, to kind of get, you know, worried about creation. The reality is, yeah, it's tough. God asks us to pay attention to the way that he created things. And none of us need to move to Montana and start reading Wendell Berry and drive a leaf and you know, get off the grid and just hate our life. No, we're called to be fully engaged in the story that God has us right now. And we have opportunities. And God may be asking us this morning to say, yes, it costs more at times with our time and our resources to care about creation, but there is a cost to all of our small decisions. Like I, I'm an ocean guy. I'm a fisherman. And I watch the rising PCP levels in our, in our whales and the way the ocean currents change fish. And I see society and I, I worry. It doesn't feel like a forward trajectory. And I can't solve the ocean overnight, but I can do the step that God asks me to do. Ah, we can raise chickens and minimize some of the garbage we throw out. I also drive a 20-year-old Suburban that's a gas guzzler, so you can pray for me. But, you know, all of us, it's like... We're just called to take small steps of awareness. And this disruption makes it challenging. The, the bottom of the disruption, the bottom of the downbeat, is when Christ came 2,000 years ago, he literally gave his life to repair our relationship with God, to repair things gone wrong. And they said on the cross, Christ's body was literally torn apart. And the fruit of that was new life came. 
the bottom of, of the downbeat, the bottom is always the beginning. Christ came and said, I came that I, would, that I would restore you in fullness, your relationship with Christ, and come and restore your relationship with the creation. Literally, when Jesus died in Matthew 27, and, and before he came alive, it said dead people were rising from the tombs. Because with Jesus, a new aura was being inaugurated, an aura of hope. So let's look at our third point of our outline. This is the hope. What is the hope when we talk about creation? I know every place where it's dark and getting worse and discouraging, what is the hope that Christ longs to bring? And this comes from Isaiah 43, 19 through 21, that Jesus would later quote in his ministry. And it's this, and in Isaiah, Jesus, or the prophet Isaiah, later Jesus would kind of quote it for himself. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. You see that in right relationship, when we're worshiping the creator, that, that there's, this, there's this economy and, and this ecosystem where things are healthy again, and God's going to provide enough. Well, how does God fix global warming? How does God fix some of these things? We don't have answers towards that. But the focus of creation is always to get to more intimacy with the creator. And the reminder this morning in the scriptures that God cares a great deal about the hope of this world, that this world would be a place that we would shepherd and we would steward. Remember Matthew 25, Jesus says there's this parable of the stewards. And he, he said there's these three guys, and they got three different sacks of money. And the first guy got five pieces of silver in a sack. And the second guy got two pieces of silver. And the last guy got one. And, and the guy with five, he reinvested, and he gave back more. And the master said good. And the guy with two, he got interest for it. And the master said good. And then the guy with just one, he was so full of fear about how to steward the resources, he just, he just gave it back. He's like, I don't want to mess this up. I'm just going to give you back your one. And what does Jesus say about the master? He says, you didn't steward it well. And he literally took the one and gave it to the guy that had invested well. We're called to be stewards. We're called to care about what God cares about. Not out rioting in the streets about the environment, if that isn't your principal focus, but just taking step, steps of obedience. That the way that God created things, the creator sets up the creation for us the created, and how we focus on creation allow us to give more worship to the creator we're called to care in, in small ways and this is the this is kind of the end of the story and we look at the culmination the culmination of the of the cosmos and this is, should be its own sermon the culmination is eschatological which simply means this the culmination of the story when the whole world gets redeemed is when christ returns from heaven and the scriptures say in revelation there's a new heaven here on earth and so the dwelling place of the Lord and the earth, it matters because this is where the new heaven will be. We will live here in changed bodies, face to face with Christ. And so we are called to participate in the protection of the earth. Ephesians 1, 9 and 10 says this, that God made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach the fulfillment the end times to bring unity to all things in heaven on earth in Christ. Isaiah would talk about the lion laying down with the lamb, that at the end of the story, there will be things made right again. 
the thorns and thistles die away, we will experience God face to face in the full purpose of the created order. This is how God made us. This is how he made us. So pay attention to the creation. I just have three action steps because I recognize this is, this is theological and for some it can be a little bit esoteric. What does this mean for us? What does this mean for us? Three steps where we think about God creating the creation in order to be a place where we would praise him through it. Three steps are simply this. Number one, awareness. Awareness of my actual environment. I mean, all of us at a level have blood on our hands. We're part of global warming. I think about that when I fill up that big old black suburban. But, you know, be aware. Like, be aware of your actual surroundings and your actual life. And may we be taking steps of a trajectory of more care for creation. I mentioned for us it's chickens. For many people, they just choose to grow a garden. Man, you're, really? You're going to, like, solve the world because you grew kale in your front yard? No, not necessarily. But be aware and take small steps of the creation and trying to protect it. The second thing is justice. Is my life one of just living? Many of the, many of the things we purchase come at a cost. So I buy one shirt of Old Navy, it comes at a cost in different developing countries. Is your life living in such a way that it's justice? Like there's times too where I can, you know, I'm buying fair trade coffee and, you know, I'm, I'm going to, you know, pay the extra five bucks because it's, you know, better for the environment. And there's other times, man, time, money was tight. We just, I tell you this, we always bought coffee. But sometimes you can make the justice choice and other times like I just can't do it right now. You don't have to live in fear or shame or feeling like God is somehow waiting to punish you. But as you can, is your life one lived with justice? And we're going to be talking about humanity and justice next week, but today we're talking about creation. And then lastly, sustainability. Is your life sustainable? What are the hidden costs to your life? What are the, what are the impact that your lifestyle has? And does God create any opportunities for you to just say, hey, how can my life be more sustainable? When we think about passing the torch to the next generation, like, okay, we used up 70% of the fossil fuels, We've raised, you know, the greenhouse gases by some thousands of percent. Is it sustainable? And do you care? And does that matter towards your worship of God? I think God this morning is reminding us through the scriptures that we should care a great deal. But don't miss this. The earth is the resting place of God. So wake up to the wonder. Like wake up to the wonder of the setting sun. And sitting at Richmond Beach with good friends, gathering around a table with rich food, that it's, there's something transcendent and beautiful here. God, the creator, gave us good things. We see this in friendship and in love between healthy partners. God's saying, I created the world and it's good. May you experience it and may you give worship to me through the goodness that you experience. I mean, we take these steps of awareness, justice, sustainability, restoring the awe that our life would be lived as good stewards of God's good gifts. Would you pray with me now? Father, thank you so much for a reminder, Lord, that you are in control, that you're a creator. Make our lives count. In these weeks ahead, Lord, may you challenge us. We know there's a lot of baggage with a topic like creation care. But we, may we be disciples that care not just about people's salvation stories, but also about the way that we live out following you. May this be a church that asks questions of the environment, and that would make a huge impact in Seattle. May this be your church. In your great name we pray. Amen.
as I told you and warned you, we're not done yet. You're like, oh, he was so quick this time. Um, this is our birthday. So um, happy birthday to us. It's our sixth birthday. We're not going to sing. Uh, we can cheer. That's awesome. Yes. Um, my friend Luca gave me some glasses that he wanted me to wear. I figured these might be too distracting. But this church started six years ago. And I want to take uh, a little bit of time just to, to look back and look forward. Um, six years ago, a little more than that, God gave me a call. Come and build the church. I heard that. I heard that as plain as day. And so it, it caused me to quit the job that I was pursuing at the time and start graduate school and start to care deeply about the church because God said the church needs to matter in people's life. I grew up in a church that didn't mean anything to anyone other than a place where people kind of dressed up and behaved certain ways. But God called me to build the church. And so um, in the midst of that, we suffered a heartbreaking loss. We lost a little baby boy. How can this be? How can God give us a call towards ministry and we suffer horrible things? Because this is the nature of the life we live. God calling us for more, and yet we still suffer hardships. In the midst of that, I understood more about the power of the church. Because when we were too weak to stand, our friends carried us. When we were too heartbroken to cook meals, the church brought us casseroles. When we needed someone to watch our kids so we could have a, a, a service of grieving for the baby, uh, volunteers stepped up and did that. We understood the power of the church. And, and then we shared, Heather and I shared with Richard, hey, God's calling us to start a church. And we started to talk about this. In 2009 and 2010, we started to just talk about local worship. And in spring of 2010, we put a bulletin blurb. Anyone want to help start a church in North King, South Snohomish County, we had meetings and barbecues and a group formed and we prayed and we began. In late September of 2010, Bethany North began at Richmond Beach Recreation Center. And some people here were there then. They were called plank owners. They helped start the church. If you were there six years ago and helped get us started, will you stand right now so we can celebrate and salute you, some of you that helped us start six years ago? Okay, will you give these guys a huge round of applause? You have no idea how much they served. So you can grab one of them on the way out and say thanks. We also have some local leadership people now that are my advisors, a group of five that are here. Do we have any local leadership team people in this service? A team of five? I, okay, I don't think so, unfortunately. Um, also, a word of thanks need to go to my spouse, Heather, because um, it takes a lot of work to build a church. And there were times where... Um, she lost me because I was so passionate about creating a church. It occupied a ton of my head and my heart. And she was patient, and she also challenged me. She's a good woman. Can we give her a big round of applause? Thank you. Yeah, you. So we started this church, and um, within six months, uh, we, we grew out of the Richmond Beach Recreation Center. We went over to Spartan Gym, and slowly the church grew from 100 to 200, 300. We used to joke and laugh about, oh, could you imagine if we ever had 100 kids there on a Sunday? Now there's over 200 kids here on a Sunday. And yeah, we're clapping. I love it. We're, yes. Like I'm a... Okay. Um, but um, it was exhausting. Like we were setting up in a gym and it took over 40 people to set up the stage and the chairs and the lights and the sound and the video and then the children and the hospitality and we were burning people out. It was exhausting. 
And so we started to pray, hey, God, would you give us a place to have a worship service? And God made it really clear in 2013, 2014, if that we would not worry about Sundays, that he would worry about Sunday. And God said, if you worry about Monday through Saturday, and if you worry about being my hands and my feet, if you try to be a blessing in our community, God said, I will take care of Sunday. And so we rented the, the former Sugar Strip Club. And many of you were part of that. We renovated that space. And now we used to dream, could you imagine if we served lunch to high school students so they knew that there's a church that actually cared about them, is praying for them. And on some Mondays, we have hundreds of students that go out to the junction and get free pizza. And on Tuesday, we're serving breakfast, and there's a Bible study, and it's good, and there's so much more to do. We're going to talk about that in the weeks ahead, but hear me very carefully. God did it. We kept meeting people that said, before you were here, we prayed for this. Before you were here, we used to walk this strip club and pray that God would redeem it, and we would just shake our heads because we were called to step in, but it was God's story and not ours. And we used to dream about meeting in this space. They were building this space. We're like, gosh, could you imagine meeting at Shorewood and we wouldn't have to do all the setup? But no churches rent from Shoreline schools. But we don't rent the school, we rent the theater. And a big shout out goes to my friend Mark at Shoreline Schools, who has become a friend and a partner and enables us to rent this space every month so that we can have a church for 600 people in a school that we were told you probably will never be able to rent. It's a God thing, friends. But hear me carefully. We're not done yet. We're not done. Because when we launched six years ago, it wasn't about getting to two services. It wasn't about the number of people. It was about life in Jesus Christ and the church mattering again. And mattering how we connect with students in our community. And mattering how we connect outside of Sundays. And mattering relationship. And it's been hard. But it's been good. And so I submit to you a thought that's not original to me, that comes from this book I've been looking at, that that this thought, that what got us here won't get us there. That what got us here six years in won't get us there for the next five years. What got us here of the same people serving the same weeks and mostly seeing each other on Sundays alone, that's what got us here. But it won't get us there. Because the author talks about in his book that people will do something, including changing their behavior, only if it could be demonstrated that doing so is in their own best interest as defined by their own values. Says Marshall Goldsmith, what got you here won't get you there. And so let me submit to you this idea that your life will become more rich and full as you step deeper into ministry in this church. Because I've seen it over and over and over again. As you step into an area of service on a Sunday or the pizza lunch or the Tuesday breakfast or or maybe it's something not directly committed with Young Life or with with Bethany North, it's Young Life or it's Hope Playing. As you step out in service, your life will become more rich. And as you're connected in a group outside of Sunday in a connect group or in some place of fellowship, your life will become more rich. Yes, it will cost you something. But the fruit of your decision will be more intimacy. This will become your home. We have a lot of people that are kind of sitting on the edges. And if you're here this morning needing a respite from the storm, feeling discouraged, like, hey, I, I came out of another church, or I'm just new to Christianity, then just be here. You're welcome here. But for many of us that have been here for a while, God is asking us, get connected and get serving We have this saying that's supposed to be more than just a water bottle, that we could be the church, that the church isn't just a building we come to, it's a network of relationships. Be the church. And so we have these three primary values here at Bethany North that have guided us for the last six years, that people would welcome 
and they would connect and they would serve. And, and towards that end, we want to create opportunities for you to feel more welcomed, to be serving, and to be connected. I do not come to you as a guilt trip this morning. I come to you with a message that your life will be lived in more fullness when this community becomes your community. And so I challenge you and I encourage you that this is not the destination, that we press on. That with this church, we press on. We're six years in. We're not done yet. And would you pray with us? Because in the year ahead, we're asking some hard questions. In October, you'll get a survey. How are you doing in your faith with Jesus Christ? How are you doing in this church? How can we support you more? And pray with us because we're asking a lot of hard questions. One of the questions is, maybe we just take 100 people that live up north and we plant another church and let the church get small again. Or one of the ideas we think about is maybe in the years to come, we need to build something or have something where we're not setting up and tearing down. Well, that's kind of scary. I know it is. But this isn't my plan. This isn't your plan. This is God's church. Will you be praying with us? Can you commit to us in these months ahead to just listen and to step out? God, what do you want for this little community? It's been beautiful six years, but we're not done yet. May the object of all of our focus be life in Jesus Christ, that drawing us together in service and drawing us together in our, in our intimacy with one another. It's been hard and it's been beautiful. And many of you are to be thanked for what you did to create this. Keep going with us. Keep going. I'm going to call the worship team up. We're going to pray. There's prayer ministers down front. And uh, we're going to just sing a song about setting a fire in our heart. In the, uh, will you stand with me as I read this scripture? Romans 12, uh, verse 11 through 13. Never let the fire in your heart go out. Keep it alive. Serve the Lord. When you hope, be joyful. When you suffer, be patient. When you pray, be faithful. Share with God's people who are in need. Welcome others in your home. Never let the fire in your heart go out. Never stop growing. Never stop pursuing more intimacy with Jesus Christ. May the light of Jesus' life shine in your heart. May you know it to be true, not because somebody told it to you, but because you've seen it and you've experienced it. And God cares about you and you've forgotten somewhere along the way. And maybe this morning God is asking you to be reminded he cares about you. And God cares about his community. He set us up this way. We're sinners. You come to church with a bunch of losers because we're all broken people. Stay involved and get connected. And may we continue to grow. Not for Bethany not for any leader, but for God. May that be the fire that just keeps us burning. God's not done with this community yet. Thousands of people in our community don't know that God loves them. And they're dying to find out. And maybe God wants you to tell them and how he lives in you. Let's continue in worship this morning.